This is the Gopher Puck Live Podcast, episode number 12, recorded January 10th, 2012. Welcome to the Gopher Puck Live Podcast, along with Hammy and Ryan Cardinal. I'm your host, Jupiter, and we've been off for almost a month now, but uh, quite a bit has happened since we've been off the air and early to mid-December. Uh, yet another year, Gophers can't win their own holiday tournament, followed up by a loss to Notre Dame in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame game. What's going on, Cardinal? Well, it's, uh, you know, there's kind of many ways you can look at it, but big picture-wise, you know, the team got off to such a great start, and they kind of gave themselves a little bit of room for error, and obviously as fans and as a team, you don't want to see them, you know, kind of take a step back, which they've, you know, definitely done here over the last six weeks of play or, you know, pretty much since that North Dakota series. But, um, you know, at the same time, they're still in decent position if they can get things uh, going in the right direction. But I think, you know, just you know, down to eighth in the pairwise, I think this is, you know, pretty much the time of the year where you can start paying attention to that on a weekly basis. And, um, you know, again, big picture-wise, the WCHA, as most people know, has really struggled in non-conference play. And the Gophers have, you know, contributed to that going, I think, what, they're 4-4-1. I think they wrapped up non-conference play and, you know, a couple of the wins against Sacred Heart and another against Niagara. So, again, the you know better than average or really good depending on who they're playing non-conference teams they really struggled so because of that the WCHA is probably not going to get you know five or six teams in the NCAA tournament this year it's probably going to be two or three so um, yeah I mean again the Gophers put themselves in a good spot struggled a little bit but um, you know I think this is a pretty big weekend for them coming up to kind of set the tone for the rest of the season because they definitely need to uh, I think going 500 the rest of the way probably won't cut it in terms of you know WCHA goals and NCAA goals as well. What do you think, Hammy? Uh, well, you know, I mean, any overall thoughts in the last month? Well, it's one of those things where you, you know, you kind of know that you're not going to maintain that high level of play the whole season like we did early on. I mean, uh, you're going to have your bumps. Maybe some teams have it in the first month. Some teams have it mid-season. Some have it towards the end of the season. And, and it's one of those things where I think that uh, I, you know, I mentioned on GPL that expectation level got jacked up because of the early, you know, success of the team. Whereas big picture, I mean, when we, if we want to go back to our original, you know, broadcast, we all picked you know, the Gophers to be around the fourth, the fifth kind of range. And so, you know, they're probably a little better than what we expected, you know, back in the beginning, but they're not maybe quite as good as those expectations had lifted, you know, for the fans, you know, after that first six weeks or so of the season. So um, I think, you know, we've been inconsistent and the penalties have really killed them. And that's something that really needs to be, you know, focused on, especially this next, you know, weekend, because it's certainly going to be an energetic, you know, couple games, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, you kind of have to keep your wits about you. So I, I'm not shocked that, you know, you're going to have bumps and, just that, you know, we're having ours now, and hopefully they'll recover and, you know, have a successful second half. Well, how about those specialty teams, Ryan? I noticed you posted on Twitter the other day talking about how, you know, obviously the, the penalty kill percentage has gone down by about 10%. The power play uh, percentage has gone down, what, 5 or 6% or something that I noticed that right that same evening. Lucia mentioned some of the same things. Is that one of the one of the big problems, or is there more going on? 
Yeah, you know, just with the way they lost to Notre Dame with, you know, giving up a couple power play goals and then, you know, the shorthanded goal too. And then even going back two weeks to the Northeastern debacle with all the penalties and giving up a pair of five on threes. And, you know, it's just early in the year. And I think the Duluth weekend kind of exemplified this where special teams just, you know, really carried this team early in the year. And, you know, like Lucia touched on with his radio show, I mean, they were playing at such a high level, especially the power play that, you know, of course it wasn't going to stay over 30% for the year. But, I mean, in college, I think you can have an elite power play that's, you know, 25, 26, 27 percent. And even, you know, I think, well, I can't remember exactly the numbers I tweeted, but it's about 21 percent, I think, since that North Dakota weekend. And, um, you know, if I think, you know, I don't have the numbers to back this up year I could be wrong on that but I think you know it's just a little bit worse now and instead of allowing one or two goals a game Patterson's allowing you know three and sometimes four and you know if the power play is just a little bit worse and they're not getting the you know two power play goals a night which pretty much what it was for the first six weeks of the season um, again it doesn't take much to you know kind of tip the scales and you know so I think that's something that's going to be pretty critical this weekend because North Dakota's got a pretty good top power play unit and um, you know special teams and goaltending are always you know huge that's you know it's cliche but it's totally true that you know nine out of ten hockey games if you can win those two battles you're going to win the game and um, you know again the team relied on them so heavily early and you kind of worry about that a little bit but again in college I think it's a lot easier to you know you saw Minnesota Duluth last year I mean they rolled their power play all the way to a national championship and um, you know you can you know win a lot of games just based on having really good special teams and the Gophers have been kind of average in that department over the last you know whatever and it's shown because they're a 500 team since that North Dakota series so um, that's going to be big and like Hammy touched on, especially this weekend, I don't think they can, you know, give North Dakota six, seven, eight power plays this weekend up there and expect to, you know, come out of there with, you know, three, four points or whatever their goal is. So, um, yeah, it's going to be big the rest of the year and especially in a big rivalry series in a hostile environment. Kind of lost you for a second there, Ryan, for a little bit, but luckily you came back. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's just kind of wrap things up. Is there any, you guys have any other thoughts in the last month? Anything that happened at the Classic? Anything else that stuck out for the Notre Dame uh, game. I mean, obviously, Notre Dame is a great team. But, boy, they besides the penalties and, and the power play, they looked – the Gophers looked awfully flat. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, they looked a little, yeah, discombobulated. And I think that you can kind of blame a little bit of the uh, – you know, the break and, and, and some stuff like that, you know, teams are going to – some teams are able to handle that better than maybe we just didn't handle it very well. It's hard to say, but I, I – you know, the big thing for me is, you know, you got to stay out of the box, and if you're not going to stay out of the box, you have to have a very effective penalty kill, and, you know, we really haven't been doing either as much in the last couple of months. I mean, like you touched on, the power – or the penalty, penalty kill has definitely dropped, and then we've taken, you know, quite a few penalties – I mean, what was it, 12 power plays that we gave up uh, against Northeastern, whatever it was. But, you know, you can't be doing that and expecting to win games, especially on the road, you know, in, in the WCHA. And granted, it's a down year in the league, uh, you know, but still, you can't be taking stupid penalties. And uh, so the teams are going to make you pay. And uh, North Dakota has that capability, even though they're a much thinner team right now that don't have quite the depth. They still have some, you know, high-end skill guys at the top you know, line. So... Uh, you got to stay out of the box. Well, we've talked about this discipline problem with penalties for, ever since we started the podcast. It just seems like they are still taking way too many stupid penalties. I don't know if the coaching staff hasn't gotten through to them or what, but they're, what are they the most penalized team in the WCHA right now? I don't know based on... It's pretty a, close if they're not. 
Well, I don't. I I'm not sure about strictly just league play. I know that in terms of uh, the national, you know, including all games, they're they're pretty up there. I think they're in the top like well, they're not top ten as far as penalty minutes, but they're up there, you know, twelve, thirteen, somewhere in that range. And I know that there's. A couple other teams, I got it right here. It looks like Minnesota State. Actually, UMD is a little bit more penalized than the Gophers as well, but Gophers are 13th in the nation as far as penalty minutes per game. So they certainly have taken first in the WCHS to say they are first. They have 236 penalty minutes in 14 games, so they do uh, lead the league in conference games in that category. Okay, that doesn't surprise me, yeah. Well, they're going to have to fix that soon. I, I don't recall them being so bad in WCHA games in the past. At least I don't recall them leading in penalty minutes in WCHA games. So hopefully they, they could turn that around. Well, and I'm sure some of it's, you know, there's some there's been some majors, you know, that contact of the head kind of stuff. I mean, Helgeson and Ambrose have been penalty happy at times. So it's one of those things where it's a lot of it is, you know, a few guys, if you look at the uh, statistics, you know. Yeah, but we're halfway through the year. It, they, you know, I could see that in the first half or first quarter or whatever of the season. But when the same guys are continually taking these stupid penalties, you know, penalties in the offensive zone, you know, and late hits or whatever it may be, the coaches should be on these guys and, take, you know, take it away some ice time or do something. It, it should have been solved by now or at least diminished quite a bit. I believe that they probably are riding them on that stuff and tell them. But at the same time, you know, and this is the thing that, Sometimes with people, they automatically assume that just sitting a guy is going to, you know, be the the cure to it. But at the same time, then who are you going to play? How effective are they going to be? I mean, you have these guys in the lineup for a reason. And, yeah, if they're really hurting the team, of course, then you, yes, do sit them down. But, um, you know, we've rode pretty much the same lineup from the beginning. And I'm sure we'll touch on it a little later. But, you know, the lines haven't changed a hell of a lot. And, uh you know, I, I really think that there's it's kind of a time to shake things up. You don't necessarily have to make, you know, differences in, in who you're playing, but, you know, maybe shaking up the lines a little bit. I don't know, but something needs to be done, I think. Well, we'll get to this week's games in a minute here, but I just thought I'd uh, bring up a topic that was actually brought up on GPL today. Um, thoughts on renovations or changes at Mariucci? Um, obviously, in a couple years, Mariucci's going to be 20 years old. Not much has changed in those 20 years. I mean, a few years in, they added some seats, and then they added, you know, some suites and whatnot. But uh, obviously, the, in the case that somebody's bringing this subject up, it's time to do some things, new scoreboard, other little things. What are your guys' thoughts on maybe some renovations at Mariucci or what is needed at Mariucci? Well, I know one thing that you suggested, Jupe, and I've, you know, obviously the scoreboard's kind of the easiest one. And I know, like, Yost at Michigan, they put in a new one before this year. And, you know, that's kind of the low-hanging fruit, not in terms of the cost, because obviously that's going to be pretty high. But just the fact that, you know, with you get a better, you know, like higher quality board and better, you know, HD replays and all that good stuff. But I think the, you know, the ribbon nav or whatever you want to call it that kind of goes around the, um, between the suites and the main bowl. I mean, you see it at pretty much at the X and everywhere. And just think with that, it's probably not cost-wise all that great. And with the advertising that you could do with that, which they can't do now, I think it's a lot easier to offset the cost because, you know, that's going to be with anything with the U and, you know, honestly with any public institution, I mean, it's costs are going to be an issue, but the hockey program, 
is one where hopefully it's not as big of an issue. Um, but I think that's kind of one of the main ones. That and the sound system. I know I looked at that thread a little bit on GPL, and I think you said it, Jupiter. In some places you can hear really well, and other places it's complete garbage. So yeah, I, those two things I think would be you know kind of number one and two for me. Well, I just saw the example uh, Saturday night that I mentioned on GPL that you know they were introducing the ninety-two or whatever team on the ice and they were calling their names and the first four or five guys didn't even know their names were being called. Cause we just couldn't understand the garbled sound that was hitting us at that part of the ice. And I just, it's just embarrassing how bad the sound system is there. I mean, I know they've tried to look at it in the past, but it's time for them to do something in that area. Hammy, what do you think? Is there anything else you think needs to be taken a look at at Mariucci? Maybe about the atmosphere. You know, we also talked about that in that thread. Well, I mean, that's a, a constant bone of contention, I think, with fans. And that that kind of comes <laughs> down. Well, I mean, you know, we've had that discussion oh, every yeah. year. And, I, you know, I think a lot of it ends up being about, you know, who's sitting in the seats, you know. Oh, they're corpies or they're this or that, you know. And, um, you know, you can't have, obviously, all students in the at the rank. I mean, that'd be wonderful in theory, but, you know, you got to pay the bills, and students aren't necessarily paying all the bills. And so, I mean, you have to think about it that way. But for me, it's just all, you know, I guess I don't really pay a hell of a lot of attention to all the extracurriculars when I'm at the game. It's mostly just focused on the rank. But, you know, definitely the scoreboard for me. And the sound system, you know, I guess – yeah, I'm sure that needs to improve. I personally don't care because for me, I'd prefer that other than, you know, telling who scored the goals and the assists and all that, I could give a crap less about that. You know, I want to hear the band play. I don't want to hear piped in music or anything else. I, I just want to hear the band. And so I, I understand why people would want that to be, you know, kind of the most up-to-date stuff. And uh, hopefully someday that'll be the case. But as far as the rest goes, you know, I, I, I didn't really look carefully at that uh, – that thread i saw some you know some stuff about you know atms and this and that and whatever and i honestly don't even notice that stuff you know that that minor stuff and i'm not saying that that makes me right and other people wrong but uh for me it's more just the bigger picture stuff uh you know that adds to the actual quality of the entertainment as opposed to uh, any of the other stuff well with how often the band isn't there and how often they have to pipe in crappy music like you think they'd want to invest in that sound system to uh, make sure that it's just a seamless transition to Jock Jams volume 2 or whatever Oh wait, careful. There's some music they can't play, so it's too offensive. Rock, rock and roll part 2 or whatever the Oh hell it yeah, is. boy, they get in trouble if they play that, you know. I want to get the pedophile music. Oh jeez, that's awful. Um our favorite goon over there at uh, Sioux Sports, and he's obviously got his own blog. He's got a suggestion for Mariucci. He thinks we should just bulldoze it. Whoa, it's a really insightful suggestion. Yeah, I know. That's just, uh, well, what can he do? He's a Sioux well, fan. Well, I mean, oh, I'm, yeah, sure I'm sorry. He's a North Dakota fan. Sorry, there's not Sioux fans anymore. Oh, what a bunch of crap that is, too. Moving on, um, I could go on forever on that topic just because it's – it's stale there, and it just seems like they need to do something. But obviously, there's nothing's going to happen until some money gets brought in. And apparently, that new ticket program is going to bring in new money. But apparently, that you know four plus million they make a year can't be put back into the rink very often. So, well, let's move on to this week. Um, this week we've got. We'll start off with Anchorage visiting Tech. Um, this doesn't sound too exciting to me. But what do you guys think? 
Well, I mean, I think uh, Alaska Anchorage is probably going to be a little rusty. They haven't even played in a month. They didn't play over the holidays or anything. So um, I kind of have to wonder, you know, what they're going to look like when they come back and hit the rink for the first time. And, you know, I mean, not the rink necessarily, but actually game in a month. And, uh, you know, Tech's lost four straight games. And uh, you kind of have to wonder, you know, if they finally hit the wall as far as, you know, we all were surprised by their kind of first half early season performance. And, you know, maybe now they're hitting a little bit of reality. I, you know, it's hard to say, but um, it's hard to pick Anchorage on the road considering uh, how they've played this year. So uh, I'd be surprised if Tech doesn't, you know, basically sweep the series. Yeah, I'd have to lean with Tech, too. I mean, you look, like Hammy said, they've lost their last four games. But, you know, big picture-wise, they've only had two home games since November 6th. And, you know, over the last few, I mean, they lost to the Gophers, of course. You know, they split here, but then they, you know, played Michigan State and Boston College in the Great Lakes deal. And those are never easy games. You know, obviously, Tech's the, you know, despite having a good deal of success this year for them, they're obviously the underdog big time in those games. But um, they've been pretty good at home this year. And, um, again, like Hammy said, with Alaska, with Anchorage not having played for a while and and the fact that they're usually atrocious on the road, you have to um, think Michigan Tech will do pretty well this weekend. Okay, we've got Bucky Badger heading over to Mankato. Um, obviously, Mankato's had a dreadful season, but the Badgers have been also dreadful on the road. What do you think, Hammy? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I, it's like pick your poison in this series. I mean, Wisconsin has been terrible on the road. Uh, Mankato's been, you know, iffy all over the map, and uh, it's just like, you know, who's uh, who's going to outweak the other team in, in a sense. Uh, I, I just, you know, Wisconsin's got more talent, natural talent, and, uh, you know, Mankato's pretty young. Um, I, I think that, you know, maybe a few of the key players for Wisconsin will probably tip the uh, scales a little bit, at least in one of the games. So I, I would probably go with a split, even though, Wisconsin's been pretty terrible on the road this year. I I, I think that uh, this is a series that they should at least have one win coming out of it. Yeah, kind of go along those same lines. That's I. I mean, I knew Wisconsin been bad on the road, but they haven't won a game on the road. Now, granted, they don't really Ooh, go. I didn't know much. it was that bad. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I mean, on college hockey stats, 0-5-1. And, and now, granted, they have taken the model of playing crap teams at home instead of traveling. And the Gophers often do that. I know I got into another little Twitter spat last week, but... I mean, at least the Gophers, say what you want. I mean, they still went to Michigan State this year, and they're not the ones that ruined the college hockey showcase. And, I mean, it's pretty clear by Wisconsin and playing Mercyhurst at home, RIT. I mean, at least the Gophers played Northeastern at home and Vermont. And, uh, granted, Vermont's not, you know, a world beater or anything, but they were in the Frozen Four a couple years ago. They're from a major conference. And so, again, as a Wisconsin fan, I'd be kind of perturbed at the whole scheduling thing. It's one thing if you want to play home games, but maybe mix in some legit competition if you don't want to go on the road. But that being said, um, yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, they've won a few games here recently. I think one loss in their last six. And, again, they have some talent, and they got the McCabe kid back on defense now. And, you know, their top line with Sangerly and Barnes. And, and Mankato just doesn't have any of the high-end guys, like Hammy said, whereas Wisconsin has a few key pieces. So I wouldn't be surprised if Wisconsin got at least three points. Of course, you have to look at who they've played since the end of November. I mean, Duluth is a tough series, of course, at home, but – you know, Mercyhurst and RIT were the other two series, and, you know, I don't know. It's like you were talking about. It's kind of a little pathetic that Wisconsin can't bring in a little bit better competition. And actually, I watched some of that game, one of their games this past weekend, and, you know, it was pretty 
brutal. So, but I still think that they'll they'll split. Yeah, I think Mankato's going to sweep them. <laughs> yeah, you went to school there, didn't you? Yes, I did. They're always Mankato Walmart. State to me. So, moving on, we've got Bemidji heading to Denver. Cardinal. Well, Denver uh, continues the up and down. I mean, last weekend, uh, home loss against Alabama Huntsville. I, I know Denver was still had the, <laughs> had the finish kid in that, the third stringer. And I know, as uh, Brad Schlossman of the Grand Forks Field pointed out, the, you know, that Jason Zucker definitely could have been around for this weekend, but they elected to let him uh, head home to Vegas for the weekend or kind of recuperate or whatever for after the World Juniors. But I'm sure they could have used him on Friday because that's a horrendous loss for them. And, you know, you wonder at the end of the year i mean there are three games over 500 so it's not like they're cruising through the year and can afford a slip up but um, i assume they got adam murray back for the saturday game which they won and you know denver's been so up and down and bemidji's been a little bit better but it wouldn't shock me to see bemidji go out there i mean they're definitely going to have the edge in net and you know bemidji they can you know play a tough game i know they split against denver in early uh early december so i'll i'll say bemidji will go out there and get maybe a point or two out of them yeah i you know, there's nothing much I can really add. I think it was kind of funny that Zucker's going to stay home in Vegas to rest. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that, that's the place to go to rest. You know, <laughs> what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know what I mean? Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I agree. You can't – it's – DU has been a mystery team. They're tough to get a handle on. And I know some of it's injury-related and whatever, but uh, – you know, they have the ability to be as good as just about anybody, is, you know, especially when they have all their main guys in the lineup. But uh, they, they continue to baffle you with losses to certain teams. And uh, well, well, isn't doesn't Huntsville only have two victories on the season? Yeah, against uh, Omaha. Both against, oh, yeah, I thought, okay. It was Omaha a few weeks ago. Omaha, Remember that's they, right. They had four wins last year, and one of them was against Omaha, and then they split against Omaha like a month ago or something. Wow, a couple big victories for Huntsville. <laughs> Jeez. I think it also kind of goes to show you how, you know, slipshod the WCHA has been a little bit this year, especially in interconference play. It's been brutal. I mean, we talked about it earlier. I, I personally believe that we're only going to get three teams in uh, this year. So, and, you know, it, it's looking like UMD is obviously a certain going to be in. And if, you know, the Gophers, of course, they have to maintain some things here in the second half, but uh, they've got a pretty good shot at being in. And so it's, there's going to be some teams staying at home in this soft season that aren't used to it. And, you know, the Denver's and the CC's and the North Dakota's, you know, some of those teams are going to get left out and, uh, you know, those fans aren't going to be used to that. But yeah, as far as getting back to the series goes, uh, I think that, you know, I actually think it's going to be a split. I really believe that Bemidji will probably go and like, you know, Ryan talked about, just play them tough, you know, maybe one game. And, uh, you know, DU's showing that they're not, um, it's not beyond them to kind of take a game off in a series. And uh, so I think it's going to be a split. Okay. We've got St. Cloud heading to CC. Obviously, what did St. Cloud lose another player this week, Hammy? Yeah. You know, it seems like it's one of those years for St. Cloud where pretty much there's nothing going right for them, you know, both on and off the ice. And, uh, you know, they're bottom half of the league and, you know, injuries with Lee and uh, LeBlanc, and then you have uh, guys leaving, what, two guys now. What was uh, one of the McMillans, I guess, left? And one of them is going to North Dakota now, I think, to play with his brother. And then, uh, you know, they just lost Cam Reed, who's a, you know, pretty good player for them. He is, uh, he's a sophomore, and 
not quite a point per game player, but certainly a quality forward for them. And, uh, you know, probably would have been a good player the next couple of years for them. So that's kind of a big loss for them at this point. And, uh, you know, it's been rough. So at the same time, you know, CC is another team that it's sometimes hard to figure out what's going on with them. I mean, they lost to Air Force. They barely squeaked by Union. And then they get one tie out of two games with, you know, Cornell. And so they haven't been exactly been lighting the world on fire either. Of course, granted, you know, their big gun was that World Junior. So you kind of have to have a little bit of an asterisk by that. But it, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if CC sweeps the series. But I think, you know, I kind of go with CC getting like three points. Yeah, I'll kind of, you know, pretty much Hammy said it all there. I mean, St. Cloud, they've been, I think, what, 2-7-1 away from home. And um, like Hammy said, I mean, with CC getting Jaden Schwartz back, I mean, he's arguably the top player in the league. So to add him back to the mix, and I'm sure they have a little bit of a sense of urgency, as, you know, Hammy noted, kind of stumbling through the non-conference games shortly after the Christmas break. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, St. Cloud, again, it's just, you wonder, I'm not saying their players are going to pack it in, but when you have so many things, just random stuff happening that you can't control going against you at some point, that's got to be, you know, dismounting. Whereas CC, you know, they've had a reasonable year. Okay. But, you know, they have a chance to, you know, put something together here. So I'll, I'll take CC for the, uh, for the sweep this weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting decision for Cam Reed. I, I really don't quite understand the logic i mean i know he was sort of promised top line minutes you know if he went to the w whl but uh you know it's not like he wasn't getting lots of playing time at st cloud and uh you know i i know that the scuttlebutt was he wasn't exactly the greatest academic but apparently he was good enough to stay eligible for the second half and he just decided to bail so um it's unfortunate you know we've seen that of course it was a different circumstance with Oposo, but i mean We've seen some of that, you know, with a, a door, for instance, and we've seen it around the league. It happens a little bit more now where guys are bailing out half way through the season because they don't like something. And uh, it's kind of unfortunate. I don't know about you guys, but back in back in my day, you know, when you start something, you finish something, you know, as far as at least a season goes. And, uh, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that it seems to be lost these days. Way too much entitlement going on. These kids think they it, it should be all put right in front of them, and they should have no trouble, and uh, and there's just no commitment as there used to be, like you said, in our, back in the day. Um, Duluth heading to UNO this weekend. I I personally think this might be uh, Duluth's biggest road test for the rest of the season. Looking at their schedule, um, just a quick little note: um, you could see the Friday game. On the NBC Sports Network, which is, I believe, is formerly the Versus Network. Uh, Ryan, what do you think of this series? You think it's Duluth's toughest road series left this season? Yeah, I mean, I think you look real quick on the NBC Sports. I seen they got uh, Gord Miller from TSN, who is their TSN's top guy to call the game. So I guess I don't know if everyone's a big fan of him, but I think he does an awesome job. And props to NBC for I'm sure that's not cheap. So at least if they're going to try to do the college hockey thing, they're not just you know having some local asshole come and call the game. I mean, they're getting somebody that's pretty renowned <laughs> and good. So. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean? You seem like how the CBS Sports does it when they had that remember Cornell played a game at Madison Square Garden and they had him call the game from a you know TV studio down the road. And yep. like if you're gonna do it, at least try to do it right. And if it works, great. If not, whatever. But anyway, I think yeah, based on A, the competition, and you know, obviously Omaha is not, you know, a great team, but they're pretty solid. And, you know, Duluth after this has, you know, at Anchorage, at Mankato.
Toledo and at St. Cloud, and I would say it's pretty clear that Omaha is better than all three of those teams. And you know, you factor in this is the you know eight, seventh and eighth games at the end of a you know. Granted, it was broken up by the Christmas break, but I mean that's still you play eight games away from home, and um, you know they had a super impressive sweep last weekend at Western Michigan to win you know both those games by three goals, and Western Michigan's far from a pushover, so. Yeah, Duluth's the hottest team in the country, and I know Omaha is doing the you know sellout thing and trying to you know you got the defending national champs coming to town and you're trying to put together a big crowd and I think they're doing a whiteout or something goofy like that. So um, it wouldn't shock me if Duluth you know stumbled a little bit this weekend, but I mean they haven't lost since the middle of October, so I, I just can't pick against them right now until I see otherwise. So I'll say the Bulldogs keep it rolling. Yeah, I mean I completely agree for actually I'll, you know for me quite honestly this is the most interesting series of the weekend and I'm even including the gopher series because to me I mean you know from a personal standpoint obviously I'm more interested in the gopher series but in terms of an actual results and all that I'm really curious as to you know what this series will be like because you know of course UMD's playing you know the best hockey right now and you know you always have to factor in Dean Blaze you know certainly isn't going to I mean, he'll have his team ready. You know, you know that he's the kind of guy that has his team ready for a challenge, especially on home ice. And um, the big problem for me is I personally just don't believe in Nebraska's goaltending enough to really believe that they're going to be able to put two nights together that are going to, you know, take UMD down. I just don't believe in their goaltending enough to say that that's going to be the case. And, uh, you know, like like Ryan said, I could see, you know, maybe – UNO rises to the occasion in one of the games and maybe gets one or two points out of the series, but it's really hard for me to bet against Duluth right now and the way that they've been playing. So I think the best bet is that uh, the Bulldogs are going to sweep. And that finally gets us to Minnesota heading up to North Dakota to play the fighting Sioux. Um, according to Minnesota's records, Minnesota still leads the series 142, 128 and 14. I believe the last five meetings, Minnesota actually, or last ten meetings, Minnesota actually leads five, three, and two. So apparently they've been doing a little bit better against the Sioux recently. Um, the Gophers swept the Sioux. That was probably about the last time the Gophers played as a team and played well. And now the Sioux are playing better. Um, it's that time of year. It seems like they've been picking it up. Competition has been great, but you know what? They've been winning. And it seems like for the past three or four years, it seems like they kind of kicked off their second half rise by beating up on Minnesota. Ryan, let's get your thoughts on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I know just doing the little preview for GPL today and you look at, you know, one thing the Gophers have kind of been blessed with this year is health. And, you know, it's something we've definitely had our fair share of the injury bug and a lot of the, you know, major injuries the last few years. But, you know, North Dakota this year, they've really battled it. And you start with Grimaldi and obviously he hasn't played since that Minnesota weekend. And I know they, more than anybody, kind of keep injuries close to the vest. So I'm not sure what, you know, if he'll be back. And I know, you know, Corbin Knight, who is probably the, you know, make a case he's the best center in the WCHA and, you know, with face-offs and he wins, you know, what, 70% of his draws or something like that. I know he didn't play in that Clarkson game, so, I mean, they could be missing some key pieces. And you look at their line chart the last few weeks and – you know, obviously you have, you know, Brock Nelson and Christo. And then after that, it's just kind of a hodgepodge of guys and, you know, but they've been getting the job done. And, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at this weekend. I think goaltending will be probably pretty even, um, you know, Dell's played pretty well for them. He had a couple of hiccups in that Harvard series, but, you know, other than that, since the gopher weekend there, things have kind of slowed down for them and he's been a little bit better, but I think, you know, the real key for this weekend is going to be on the blue line. And, you know, for the gophers, I think that's one area where, and I kind of touched on it on GPL where you're hoping 
to see some guys maybe take a step, and especially maybe Hall and Alt, where, you know, they're both, you know, bigger kids, sophomores, and you kind of hope that maybe one of them would emerge as, you know, hey, this guy's a real, you know, not necessarily the offensive stuff. I mean, the offense is going to come from Schmidt, and but just the shutdown, you know, physical pairing or whatever you want to look at it. Neither one of those guys has really stepped up. And, you know, this weekend, you know, North Dakota, they're going to, especially if they're missing some you know key parts on the offensively, they're going to chip it in and forecheck hard. And, you know, the Gophers are going to definitely have an edge up front. But I think North Dakota's blue line with, you know, Blood and McWilliam and, you know, those guys up there, I think it's that's going to be the difference. If the Gopher defensemen can, you know, they can't be turning it over at the blue line and, you know, giving up all the odd man rushes that we've seen recently and especially against Notre Dame, I think, if Minnesota's blue line can play smart, get the puck out, make that good first pass that we saw early in the year that, you know, I think that's been missing a little bit recently. I think the Gophers will do pretty well. But if the D struggles and, you know, coughs pucks up at the blue line and turns it over, um, you know, I think it could be a tough weekend because the Sioux are, you know, finding ways to score. And, you know, right now the Gophers have tailed off a little bit. And, you know, I think the offense will get it going eventually. But, you know, on the road against a pretty good defensive team, that's a tough time for, you know, your offense to really get it going again. But who knows? I mean, maybe the atmosphere up there and playing a big-time rival and back into conference play, maybe that'll be enough for uh, things to uh, start turning in the right direction again. Yeah, for me, you know, I just – it's one of – of course, we always say, you know, throw out the records and all the recent performances and all that kind of stuff because it's a rivalry series and it's, you know, one of the biggest rivals. And I think the scoring depth, you know, will certainly be in the Gophers' advantage. Uh, we, you know, Ryan touched on kind of some of the injury issues and the overall depth issues this year for North Dakota. Um I personally believe the Gophers need to just kind of really simplify their game, you know, just – chip pucks out, do the little things, not try to make the big plays and try to be too fancy out there. I think they really, especially on the road, you really just need to kind of, you know, maybe it might not be the necessarily their, their MO, but, to, you know, maybe play a little bit more conservatively. And, uh, you know, just because to me, you know, once you lose the momentum on the road, it, it's it's hard to regain it, you know, in a game or even in a series. And, and uh, especially when you're going up to a, you know, a, a rink that's going to have, a, you know, a pretty hefty, you know, crowd support. So I just think that the Gophers need to play smart, you know, play it maybe a little bit more conservatively on defense. Um, certainly we talked about, t- you know, not taking stupid penalties. I'm sure that there'll be plenty of, you know, some stuff going on, you know, maybe a little bit after the whistle stuff more, but you know, you got to keep your cool in these games. I'm sure that that'll be emphasized, you know, this week. And, uh, um, you know, it probably come down to goaltending, you know, how well is, you know, Kent going to play. And, uh, if he plays well, you know, I think the Gophers will certainly come out of the series with, you know, two points. And I think I said it on GPL to me, you know, the rest of the season is all about the NCAAs now. I mean, I, you know, I, to me, the, it's Duluth, you know, it's their league title, you know, to win or lose right now because of their, you know, schedule is advantageous. And I just think that right now the focus, I know the players probably aren't and the coaches aren't looking at it that way, but for myself personally, not that I have a stake in it, but I would just say let's focus on making sure that we stick with where we're at in the pairwise and getting the NCAAs. And to me that means that you kind of have to go up there this weekend and at least get, you know, a couple points out of it. I'm going to go with a sweep for the Gophers. No way. I'm serious. I, I know you're shocked, but uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to be positive here. It's been kind of negative the past, you know, since we beat North Dakota. Obviously, they've been, what, 6-6-1 six, six, and one since that sweep of North Dakota, and I'm just trying to push a little positivity here. That's all. Now, it is interesting how the things just kind of, you know, went 
a little bit, you know, I, I really believe that they emotionally peaked in that for that series. And afterwards, it, there was kind of a hangover effect for a little while because they definitely were not quite the same, you know, in their mental aspects of the game. You know, that kind of goes back to some of the penalties and all that. And uh, I really believe that that series for them, you know, especially that kind of hard-fought second game um, for the team, I really believe that uh, – you know, that took a little bit out of them, you know, emotionally. And I think that, you know, hopefully they'll be able to regain it at some point here in the next few weeks. But, uh, yeah, hopefully they'll get their some of that mojo back this weekend. Yeah. And, you know, again, this I think this is a pretty critical series. I mean, I, I don't want to say, I mean, obviously I don't know if the team's, you know, emotionally fragile or anything like that. But I think, you know, this, most of these guys have been here the last few years and how things have gone south. It's kind of the wrong times. And, you know, they, you know, obviously they're in first place in the WCHA. So, again, big picture wise, everything's okay. But, you know, I think if things go off the tracks this weekend and then it's, you know, it kind of comes full circle back to that North Dakota series where they peaked, if they can go up there and, you know, even get two points, I don't care how it happens. And then you come home for Colorado College and I think you can get things going. But, you know, I have real concerns if they go up there this weekend and, um, you know, kind of an undermanned Sioux team takes it to them. And, you know, a lot of these guys have been up there before and got their ass kicked in that building. And, yeah, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I just, you know, they're not playing good right now. And it's a tough place to go into. And if that's the, you know, hornet's nest that you need to go into to kind of turn your season around to a degree, um, you know, again, we've talked about it. There's not going to be a lot of WCHA teams making the tournament. And, you know, they can't afford to take another, you know, two or three weeks where they play, you know, average to below average hockey. It's, you know, I, again, I, this is a critical series. And I think they need to go up there and kind of say that. That, hey, you know, all teams can have lulls. You know, Lucia touched on in his radio show where Notre Dame lost at home to Northeastern nine to two, and you know, a month later they're you know, beating the Gophers here. So, um, you know, again, it's not the sky is falling kind of thing, but again, I, I'd be pretty concerned if they go up there this weekend and play poorly and get swept or even get one point. I think you need to go up there against a rival who, again, this isn't a great version of the Sioux, and they need to go up there and show that they can hang with those guys and say, hey, we're legit and going to be you know a force to be reckoned with here in the second half of the season. And sometimes that does happen when you have a series like that where, you, where you know, you kind of need a wake-up call and, and, you know, maybe going on the road, you know, and kind of us-against-the-world mentality, going up to Grand Forks, you know, for the players, you know, and the coaches. You know, sometimes that stuff can wake up a team, too, and uh, when you have that kind of challenge ahead of you. And hopefully that's the way they're looking at it this week and, uh, you know, that they're going to go up there and, you know, battle it out. And even if they don't necessarily get two wins out of it, certainly to, you know, play well. And I, I think that – uh you know, you just want to see that kind of emotional charge in the team. And um, I, I really do believe they need to simplify things and uh, certainly, uh, you know, get some ugly goals as far as, you know, when you're on the power play and not try to get too pretty and stuff, you know, kind of be more physical down low. Um, they got, we've got, you know, good, some good size up front. And, uh, you know, North Dakota's got some, you know, beefy defensemen, you know, like blood and whatever. But I, nonetheless, you know, it's still something that you got to really battle it out around the the slot and uh, the blue paint. And uh, I think that if we can do those things, you know, we'll have some success. Well, we've got a few questions for us this week via Twitter, and uh, we'll start off with Adam Piet. He asked, UND has been decimated by injuries lately. Do you think Lucia will have the team throw the body around more in this series? Now, I think that was kind of one of the keys in the last UND series is that Minnesota was much more physical than they used to be, or at least in the last five years when they played UND. They always got beat up. That was one of the keys to that series. I assume it's the key again in this series. 
Well, I would agree. I mean, I, but it's one of those things where it's a fine line between being physical and being stupid, you know, and I think that that's some of the problem we've seen with some of the players that these guys sort of step over that line. And the next thing you know, you're, you got, you know, three, four penalties in a row and that's just killing all your momentum. And and we've seen that a few times this year where that's really hurt the team. I remember mentioning it on a past podcast that, you know, it's not uncommon sometimes for the Gophers to just reel off three or four penalties in a row. And I mean, it's like, you're not going to win games that way. So yeah, you got to play physical, but you have to be smart about it. And, um, you know, I'm not all that confident that some of these guys have learned their lessons uh, for whatever reason. So yeah, play physical, but, um, be smart about it. Yeah. And I think just the whole, you know, you want to be physical and I think, you know, early in the year they could do that because the penalty kill was so good. So, you know, you kind of trade, you know, maybe a few penalties for the team that, you know, it's kind of been a knock on them for a while that they might be a little bit soft or, you know, finesse or whatever word you want to throw in there. But, um, you know, the trade-off was, okay, well, we're going to take a few penalties, but we're going to be aggressive, play on our toes, and that's going to, you know, pay off in the end by being more physical and generating turnovers. But, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a guy like Saratori where, you know, he's never afraid to be physical and throw his body around and, you know, Budish, some other bigger guys that maybe don't throw the huge hits but you know a guy like Budish is going to be key in this series I mean he's going to have to win some of those battles down low it's you know back to the small ice sheet where you know maybe uh, you know at Mariucci guys like McWilliam and Blood I mean we've seen them struggle over the years even back to Finley where you know yeah those guys are pretty good on small ice but you get to the big sheet and they start you know chasing a little bit and hooking and tripping you know those guys are going to be a tough to you know tough force to reckon with behind the net and you know so guys like Budish and Bugstead to a lesser degree and even Hanson I mean he's not a monster but he's a senior and he's an older kid so yeah those guys I don't necessarily think it's going to be the big hits and things like that but just winning those one-on-one battles below the dots and you know along the boards and getting pucks out when you have the chance just you know the little elements like that it's you know again I think it's two pretty even teams right now the way they're both going so yeah I mean the just kind of little things like that could be the difference just notice the little Roman tweet that he's saying that uh St. Cloud Daily is saying that Mike Lee may make his return for St. Cloud State this weekend from his injury. So, Yeah, well, you know, I I don't know personally how big of a deal that's going to be for them. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, it's not like goaltending has been the, the big issue. True. For, for saying, I mean, you know, that Farragher kid has not played badly. I mean, and, and quite frankly, if you look how Lee was playing early in the season, he wasn't exactly knocking it out of the park. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's great that he's, you know, if he's back healthy, I mean, you want players healthy, of course, but uh, as far as an actual performance standpoint goes, I I don't know if that's going to help them all that significantly because I don't really think goaltending has been their issue. Okay, we've got Proud Sue asking a question. What's your take on the CHL taking away players from the NCAA? Seems like the Gophers never have a player being stolen. Um, I had to edit go first because he used something a little more absurd. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the big part of it for the Gophers is we do the vast majority of our recruiting within Minnesota, and Minnesota is a college hockey state. You know, we all – I mean, you're going to have the odd few guys here or there, you know, that are going to be going to the WHL, but everybody here, kids here, they grow up with college hockey. I mean, whether it's the Gophers or, you know, St. Cloud or Duluth or whatever, you know, they that's what they grow up with that's what they aspire to be they don't aspire or have much interest in going to the CHL that's just not really in you know the fabric of the state of hockey and so 
I think that's a big piece of it, you know, for the Gophers and why they haven't really had that happen. I mean, they had Lofquist leave, but I mean, that was more of a playing time issue than anything. And, but, uh, so it's not like we've been totally untouchable, but I mean, nonetheless, I think it really has a lot to do with where we do our recruiting. And, and quite frankly, if you look at the couple of kids that the Sioux lost, I mean, their fathers were NHL guys and, um, you know, you kind of have to think that that's kind of what they're probably used to doing. You know, that's what they hear more of. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it was a bargaining chip deal or what it was for those guys, but, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. And like we talked about earlier, guys just don't seem to have quite the same amount of, uh, you know, they don't have the same character necessarily to stay true to their word like they used to. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, and you see kids. I mean, I know there was the rash of them before the draft, and you know JT Miller. But I, you know, I think Miami had the one kid, and um, you know, I think the CHL and in general, you know, they have a good package to offer. I mean, you can't deny it. And with kids, they can kind of get you know bright eyed about you know how many kids they send to the NHL, and I think they do a good job of covering up the fact that there's a lot of kids that go up there and kind of get lured in by the you know wow of it all and the whole you know sales pitch, and they end up doing nothing. Where you know that's going to happen at every level, but. Um, again, I think you know, they send the most kids to the NHL, and if that's the selling point for you know a lot of the you know national team kids, or you know they seem to be the ones that are leaving the most. And granted, they're usually the most highly sought after, both you know by college teams, but also NHL and thus you know major junior teams. So yeah, I mean, I guess we kind of complain from time to time about the Gophers maybe not recruiting some other areas, but I guess that one of the trade-offs is you don't have to you know generally deal with a lot of drama with our recruits, whereas you, know, you kind of see it. North Dakota has been bit here a little bit, and you especially see it with um, you know, Michigan and Notre Dame and a lot of those kids that are so close to the, you know, kind of the Great Lakes area with, you know, the OHL teams in Michigan and right across the border and being so close. So I guess, uh, you know, like I said, that's maybe one of the good things about our uh, recruiting being pretty close to home. Although I will say this, you might see a future Gopher recruit bail. I mean, I mentioned this on um, GPL, you know, it, I know that A.J. Michelson kind of flirted with the idea of playing in the WHL last summer. I mean, that was the rumor, at least, and I believe it's accurate. And, uh, you know, he hasn't played that well in the USHL this year. I mean, he's done okay, but certainly not to what you would expect, you know, when we first, uh, you know, landed him. And uh, there might be a situation where, and, and I don't, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, or it, but, you know, maybe the Gophers say, hey, you know, you need to play another year in the USHL. I mean, we can't bring bring in you, and you're not going to have that kind of impact, and you're not going to enjoy sitting on the bench, you know, or up in the stands or whatever. And maybe that makes a kid like him say, you know what? I thought about the WHL before, and I think I am going to go. So I mean, I, I'm not saying that it's we're impervious to it just because it's all Minnesota kids, but I do think that because of the fact that we do most of our recruiting in the state, you know, and it's just a college hockey state and kids just don't really care that much about w, the WHL. And, you know, a lot of those teams are a long ways away too. I mean, to, to be fair, I mean, when you see teams like with Michigan, you know, they lose players to the OHL. And so, I mean, that's not that far away from Michigan, you know, especially Michigan kids. So, I mean, it's a little different for them as well. Cause a lot of those WHL teams, you know, they're kind of ways out there. So, yeah, we'll see. Another question, we've got J.J. Kreitzer on Twitter asking, who is the one player who has to be better if the Gophers want to make the NCAA tournament? 
Uh, well, I already kind of touched on the defense, so I will go away from that. And I will say Eric Hulla. And, you know, we talked about the power play earlier, and, you know, I mentioned this before, where Hulla kind of, I don't know what role you want to call it, but it's the, you know, Kessel, Jordan Schrader, where, you know, the guy who kind of controls the puck a lot on the power play for Lucia in that top unit. And, you know, I think him, and especially, you know, I guess, and a one player, but, you know, part of the reason the team was doing so well at the start of the year was that, you know, the Rowan Bugstead line was good, but, I mean, you could almost say that the Hanson, Hulla, and Warning line was the team's top line for the first, you know, four or five weeks, and those guys were producing at a huge clip, and we talked on here about, man, you know, Jake Hanson looks like a different player, and Sam Warning, you know, it's a good decision to bring him in this year, and, you know, Warning wore down a little bit, and, you know, I think he was you know, scratched the one game, and they've kind of bounced him around. He was back with those guys, and he did look pretty good, um, especially in the Niagara game, but, um, you know, I think Hull is a guy where he's been a little bit inconsistent, I think so much of the power play, you know, can be attributed to him, just, you know, he, again, he's the guy that, you know, either dishes it back to the point or, you know, kind of cuts to the middle with it. And I think both, you know, in terms of the power play and getting that, you know, secondary scoring line going, where I think you can count on Rowan Bukes said to be, you know, the team's top scorers the rest of the way. But if there's not a lot of support behind them, um, you know, I think they're going to struggle. So I'd say Hollow, if he can get back to, you know, being a point per game guy like he was at the start of the year, I think that'll help the power play and it'll help that, you know, second line and get a guy like Jake Hansen going and, you know, get some scoring from somebody other than uh, the big two. Yeah, you know, for me, I, I mean, I probably would have to agree with that. Um, it, you know, you could probably pick out any of the guys on defense, but I don't know that any of them are, you know, improving a lot, a lot is going to make a significant impact on a team. I, I really believe that when we were on top of our game, it was because we had, you know, two lines that were, you know, major threats. And, you know, I, I didn't know if we were going to touch on it. I know we talked a little bit about it after the Notre Dame game on GPL, but I think that, you know, you have to start wondering if maybe they need to, you know, change up the lines a little bit. I mean, I think you kind of have to wonder. We've been using basically the same lines and lineup for a number of, you know, series now, and, you kind of have to wonder if, you know, is, are things becoming a little predictable? Are teams able to maybe clamp down a little bit better because they, they already know going in what our lineup's going to look like exactly and, you know, they, they can kind of game plan a little easier. I You know, I'm I'm throwing theories out there, but for me it's like do you, uh, do you have to consider some of these kinds of things? And, I, you know, I'm kind of wondering if maybe they need to shake up that second line a little bit and, you know, mix it up and maybe – Maybe you bring in a grinder up there. I mean, I, I love how Saratori plays, and uh, I think that, you know, he doesn't show a lot of offense basically on the fourth line, but, you know, he has the capability to, to do a little more. And sometimes I wonder maybe they need to, you know, throw a guy up on that line that's going to, you know, be real gritty and mix it up and get the puck to the, you know, the playmakers. And I, I, maybe that's something they got to think about. I don't know. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts on something like that? Line changes? You know, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. You know, I, I agree with that. They have. I mean, it, it's actually been pretty odd this year that the lines have stayed so static. I mean, we've been so used to Lucia changing things almost on a weekly basis that it's been very surprising that he has stayed with the Lions so long. But obviously they had the early season success, and he didn't want to mess with it. Um, but now is the time. I yeah, yeah. It is now the time, you know. It, that's a valid point, Ryan. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I agree that it could be done, but I don't know if going into a road series where you're not going to yeah. have the yeah. last line change and it kind of, I don't know if it reeks of desperation. That might be a little bit you know, extreme of a statement, but I think, 
you know, you might want to show some confidence in the guys and, you know, kind of pump their tires a little bit. And, you know, maybe if things, you know, don't go well on Friday night and there's, you know, obviously, you know, if you lose 5-4 or something, you know, maybe, you know, if you're scoring goals, maybe you don't change it. But I think maybe if you have trouble scoring on Friday night up there and then you could react a little bit or, you know, maybe put a new guy into the lineup. And obviously they tried that, you know, a few times where, you know, the fourth line guys got scratched. But, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be totally opposed to it. I know, you know, a guy that I love, Justin Boostrom, I mean, he was a fourth line guy, but I know every once in a while, you know, back when he was here, they'd put him up with, you know, the Wheeler line or, you know, just to mix it up a little bit and give a guy like that some, you know, chance to, you know, go in there and make some hits on the forecheck and loosen things up. So to Hammy's point, I mean, I, Sarah Torrey's probably one of my favorite players. I mean, he's kind of in that booster mold where he's not going to wow you or anything, but he's physical and he makes stuff happen seemingly every time he's out there. So, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to giving him a crack with some hiring guys and just kind of seeing what happens. Well, and for me, it doesn't necessarily reek of desperation considering that they've, you know, they've been really riding those lines for so long. And it's not like we had one bad weekend and now they're going to change up everything. You know, that I would kind of understand. But, you know, they like we've talked about, they've been kind of 500 basically since the last uh, North Dakota series. And then you kind of have to say to yourself, well, you know, maybe now is the time to kind of mix it up a little bit more and uh, see what happens. So So maybe just 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 a few tweaks then. Right, move I mean, guy I'm not up, saying, move a guy up, move a guy down. Just uh, throw a few well, things I mean, out there. Yeah, I mean, I just think that you kind of have to, you know, what's the definition of insanity? You know, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. I mean, you know, you kind of have to say to yourself, maybe there is a little bit of a, you know, a need to kind of mix it up a little bit more and, you know, change a few guys here or there. But I'm not saying you do anything drastic, but just you know, maybe change a little of the chemistry up between a couple lines and. Uh, you know, see what happens. I mean, what what do you have to really lose at this point? I mean, you're gonna, you know, I, we haven't we've been playing 500 anyways in the last you know certain amount of time. So it's like, why not try a few things? Yeah, I agree. Well, let's start to wrap things up here. But before we do that, uh, we've taken a month off. What's been going on in recruiting this last month, Tammy? I, you know, it's been relatively quiet. I mean, I, I know that they've been... We did all, have a Christmas gift. Well, I mean, yes, of course, fashing was a big... I mean, we landed them, of course. And I think that I'd been kind of thinking that all along. I think most people kind of felt like that was the route he was going to go. I know there had been talk about, uh, you know, I had heard Cornell as a possibility. And, uh, you know, I would heard, you know, maybe he's thinking about going out east and... But, you know, in the end, I mean, when a kid's got a backyard rink with the M on it and, you know, he's got the family that he's real close, you know, with and his siblings, obviously, you know, that whole story. And I think it was kind of pretty clear that, you know, he was more than likely going to end up at the U. So it's nice to land because he's a big time player and he's, you know, actually really starting to seeming to come on and and play real well. You know, the one thing I've always said about him is – you know, he's one of those guys that you don't know for sure if you're going to see his max performance before, you know, he leaves college hockey. He might be one of those guys that, you know, leave after a year or two and, and you're kind of like everybody's all excited, of course, and rightfully so. But you're also like, you know, you want to see him become an All-American and score 50, 60 points and be a great player and, and lead the team. And, and, uh, you know, he's, that just doesn't guys. happen much anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, especially for a kid who's probably going to be, you know, pretty, he's going to be more than likely a first round pick and maybe a high first round pick. And you just say to yourself, well, it's nice to get those guys. But as we've seen before here, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to, 
you know, become a great team. And of course they've done a better job of, you know, landing guys that are going to be more likely to be three or four year types of guys. So that will certainly, you know, and they're going to be good players. So, I mean, that's going to help a lot. So it's, you can handle a, a guy leaving a little bit more when you have those kinds of guys also, you know, coming in at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, it's very exciting to get them, but you know, other than that, it's been kind of quiet, but that was definitely a big one to get. I mean, is there really anything else we should be looking out for? Or are we, pretty full for this year is it going to kind of quiet down for now uh you know i think all that i've really heard recently i mean i think that they'll be looking to uh maybe get some more size up front and you know because like i mentioned they had landed some very very skilled players that are you know basically five you know nine five seven five i mean they're smaller guys and obviously you know, you're going to have to offset some of that with some size and, you know, fashing, you know, he's not going to be a grinder. So, I mean, you're not bringing him in to be that kind of a guy. So I think that, uh, you know, they'll be looking at, um, you know, probably some guys with more of a, maybe a little bit more of a mean streak physical side to them that can chip in some goals or whatever. I mean, that's the feeling I've had. I don't have specific names I can give you or anything, but uh, I'm sure that they're looking on that route. Okay. Um, Guys, any other final thoughts? Uh, nothing too much for me. I just uh, hope the guys, you know, bring their A game this weekend. Yeah, like I said earlier, I think it's a huge series for them. And, you know, as a fan, either way, it's nice to, uh, you know, have a team in first place heading into the second half. And uh, hopefully they can, um, you know, make a little bit of a statement this weekend up there and, uh, you know, not keep things interesting. Obviously, they're going to be for the rest of the way, but inject a little bit of uh, life and hope back into the fan base and, uh, you know, make it a fun second half. Okay, okay. Ryan, uh, we hope to see you next week, but uh, we're not really sure right now. Wife's, yeah. Your wife is past due, and we might have to bring in somebody to replace you. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd keep the bullpen pretty warm for next week. We're, uh, <laughs> we're hoping before next week, but if not, it'll be on uh, Monday for sure, which uh, if that's the case, we definitely won't be home by Tuesday night. But uh, hopefully before then, although I'd prefer it not to happen during the games this weekend. But if that's what happens, I'll definitely roll with it. That's why they made DVR. But, uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, by this time next week, we should be good to go. Well, we See, you should have been talking trash the whole night. So then, you know, if you're going to have the baby, you're not going to be on next week. So you don't have to face <laughs> the music. That's the beautiful world of Twitter, even if I talk a lot of trash. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's we'll true. still hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best of luck to the both of you on that. Obviously, it's going to be Thank a you. very exciting time for you. And um, Hammy, you can follow him at Hammy Hockey on Twitter. And obviously, you can always follow Ryan on Ryan Cardinal on Twitter as well. I assume you'll be on KFAN on Thursday uh, as usual, Ryan. Yeah, usually I hear from PA on Wednesdays, and I know I haven't had a lot of time this week to listen to KFAN, so I know he's been in Vegas. So if he's back, I would assume I'll be on on Thursday, okay. but I don't know okay. uh, his deal, but should be uh, have some clarity by tomorrow, I would assume, either way. So And obviously you're, you never know what your schedule is going to be anyway, so just kind of listen in to KFAN, and usually we tweet out when Ryan's going to be on KFAN as well. Just a reminder, we do record these podcasts live on Tuesday nights just after 9.30 or so. If you head over to the GPL podcast page, you can listen to us record our podcast live, and that allows us to take your questions live via the Twitter account, and or uh, you can always just send us questions at podcast at goforpucklive.com. So tune in live if you can. If not, well, just listen later. 
We'll be back next week to recap the North Dakota series and preview the Colorado College series. But until then, thanks for listening in. 